you But there is absolutely no way That I can live without the Lord I said I don't know about you But there is absolutely no way That I can I don't know about you But there is absolutely no way That I can live I don't know about you But there is absolutely Absolutely no way That I can live without I have tried him over and 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 over but I can still find no way to live without the Lord oh come on and put your hands together and give God glory on oh that would have been good enough if President Trump walked into the sanctuary but I said put your hands together and give the God that we serve an old standing ovation because he deserve it oh, he's worthy to be praised oh hallelujah oh good morning I greet you in the precious name of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end of my life. To my bishop, the Reverend Dr. Benjamin Keith Watt. Let me say that again, because I think it's a problem with the mic. I said to our bishop, the Reverend Dr. Benjamin Keith Watt, and I praise God for him, and it's truly an honor and a privilege to stand before you one that I don't take lightly. So I appreciate him allowing me this opportunity. And until our first lady, who is a woman of excellence. Lady, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lady Cynthia Watts. To the elders, ministers, deacons, deaconess, until my children, who I love so dearly, Trefina and Minister Robert Martin until my husband, Elder Martin, who is the priest of our home, who I love, honor, and respect. Uh, to both the youth choir, oh, come on and give God a hand for our wonderful youth choir. And also to our mass choir, give God praise for them as well. Uh, to our musicians and our dance ministry leaders, Kayla and Vernicia. We praise God for the wonderful work that have done this morning and to all the visitors and to you, my brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. It is truly an honor and a privilege to stand before you to declare the word of the Lord. But before we go into the word, let me invite you to pray with me. Holy, 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 the Lord thy God almighty, the one that was, the one that is, and the one that's still yet to come. I ask you, O Holy Ghost, to hide me behind that cross, that I may be used as a willing vessel, that you may be glorified, magnified, and edified on this day. And we'll be so careful, O oh God, to give your name the glory, the honor, and the praise that you so rightly deserve. In Jesus' mighty name, I do pray. 
Amen. I want to turn your attention back to the scripture that was read earlier in your hearing. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. And again, I'm going to ask those of you who are physically able, would you please stand for the reading of God's holy word? And from the New Living Translation Bible, the word reads on this wise. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. While, while you're on your way back to your seat, why don't you turn to the person next to you and please repeat my subject. Quitting is not an option. Oh, come on, come on. I want you to turn to the other person on the other side of you and you say it with your prophetic voice. Quitting is not an option. Oh, come on, somebody. This word is for the folks that was ready to throw in the tower in 2019. This word is the, for the folks that was on the verge of a nervous breakdown back in 2020. But I'm, you came this year to get your breakthrough. This word is to send a message to the devil. Don't count me out. I'm not giving up. I'm not throwing in a tower. Oh, you should have killed me when I couldn't see in 2019. But now that I have 2020, I can clearly see your traps. Oh, you can't stop me and you can't block me because I made up in my mind that quitting is not an option. In some respects, 2019 was a tumultuous year. It seemed like if it wasn't one thing, it was another. Just when you thought you had, were able to refocus your attention, something else happened. It was hard to get a hold on everything. If it wasn't the kids, it was the bills. If it wasn't the bills, it was your health. If it wasn't your health, it was your job. If it wasn't your job, it was the dog. And if you didn't have a dog, then it was the cat. If it wasn't one thing, it was another. But some of us couldn't wait for 2019 to go. When the clock struck midnight, you said so long, goodbye. Oh, you were so fed up with 2019. You entered the new decade with I wish somebody would had an attitude. Oh, I wish somebody would think I would tolerate the things that I went through last year. Oh, I wish somebody would mistake me for being a person that I was last year. Oh, I wish somebody would. Not after everything you had to go through to make it into this year. Not 
from the headaches and the heartaches, not from the disappointments and almost into, into a state of depression that you had to conquer. It's times like these, such situations appear to leave us in a hopeless state, causing us to entertain the idea of giving up. And at some point or another, most of us, if not all, thought about giving up on something that we once valued or seen as an achievable goal. Whether it was giving up on your educational goals or giving up on your health because your body betrayed you or giving up on relationships or just giving up on this journey called life. When life has dealt you a bad hand, Oh, when the lights have grown dim and you no longer can see the light at the end of the tunnel, giving up can seem to be a valuable option. Oh, somebody knows what I'm talking about. But some of us were so concerned with the outset of this year that you already committed to a New Year's resolution. And since this is the year of double manifested favor, oh, there got to be a blessing with my name on it. But in challenging times like these, you have to stay the course so you can obtain it. When three months pass by, or six months pass by, and nine months pass by, and you're almost at the end of the year, and when the storms of life are raging, and everything looks bleak, you're ready to throw in a towel and give up. But that is not the time to give up. You're more closer than you think. That's when you have to be resilient and resolve no matter how challenging life may get on this Christian journey. Quitting is not an option. Oh, and the Apostle Paul understood challenges. And in our text this morning, he uses competition, two athletic metaphors, a runner who keeps his eyes on the finish line and the precise punches of a boxer to illustrate something eternal. The Apostle Paul's metaphors compares living in service to Christ and others to athletic competition. Oh, in Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, he wrote, everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. They do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Sometimes we are tempted to take places or emphasis on things that are temporal, which perishes only in the passing of time. However, the Apostle Paul encourages us to focus on something more permanent. And to illustrate his point, he uses two metaphors as it relates to the athletes and the discipline in their training. Oh, they do it to win a prize that will fade away. But as Christians, we do it for an eternal prize. He uses foot races to compare to the Christian race because the Corinthians had some affiliation with races. Races were something that they could relate to. 
Every other year, the Corinthians had what they call Istima games, which were similar to what we know as the Olympics games that most of us watched this past year, along with millions of people from all over the world who tuned in to watch U.S. Olympic gymnast Simone Biles, the 19-year-old African-American powerhouse won her fourth gold medal in Rio with a flawless floor routine. And Usain Bolt, Jamaica's lightning bolt is what they call him, was the only man to win all three sprints, equaling the fourth laureus world support, sport award being named the sportsman of the year. It is the same at the Istima Games. Multitudes of people from all over the Roman Empire flocked to Istima, either to participate or to watch the competition. Although there are various events, the Apostle Paul focused his attention on the runners who keep their eyes on the finish line and the precise puncher of a boxer. Uh, foot races were a common event in such competitions. And the Corinthian society was highly competitive. Oh, everyone who competed in the race goes into strict training. Oh, they do it to win a crown that will not last. Just like in the Olympics, all oh, the runners compete to win a trophy that may sit on the shelf to collect dust or a medal that appears to be authentic or a brilliant gold turns out to be artificial. Sometimes distinguishing between authentic and artificial can be a hard lesson to learn. Oh, if you don't believe me, you can ask Tariq. Tyreek was a brother who learned that everything that glitters ain't gold. Oh, Tyreek would tell you about the time he saved up his money to buy a gold diamond ring for his girlfriend. And since the rings from the jewelry store was way too expensive and he couldn't afford it, his friend told him about his cousin, Ray Ray. who sold jewelry out of the trunk of his car. He showed him a nice collection of silver and platinum jewelry. The gold rings were stamped 24 carats. The brother was convinced that it was real gold, believing the story about his uncle's jewelry store and the accidental overstock caused him to buy this gold diamond ring for a very good price. So Tariq bought the gold ring, had it engraved, you are a priceless treasure. Oh, he opened the box and showed it to his girlfriend. Oh, she loved the ring and, and he put it on her finger and, and she showed it off to all of her girlfriends and, and vowed that she would never take it off. Until the next morning when her, when her ring finger turned green. 
As it turned out, Ray Ray sold him a fake gold ring. Oh, you would have thought the sale out of the trunk of the car would have been a dead giveaway. But don't you judge Tariq because at some point in your life, you thought you had the real thing and only to find out it wasn't real at all. It was a cheap imitation. Oh, you thought uh, that you were in a real relationship, but only to find out that it wasn't real at all. Oh, I thought I would let you know, on this Christian journey, you don't have an artificial savior. You don't have a cheap imitation. Oh, and you don't worship a statue or some idol god. You have an authentic savior, the one that was made flesh and dwelt among us, the one that purchased you and I at a very high price, the one who paid the full debt for your sins and mine on the cross, and he earmarked it, paid in full, and his name is Jesus. Or oh, I believe uh, the Apostle Paul makes a valid point. And since we as Christians serve an authentic Savior, then we should live an authentic life that exemplifies uh, Jesus Christ, that would win others to the faith. Oh, the Apostle Paul was stating that it is of great importance that we share the gospel to others. However, it is equally important that he also practice what he preach. Oh, come on now. Sometimes we just don't practice what we preach. But the greatest example of a disciple is the one who lives it. The greatest witness of bringing someone to Christ. Oh, the greatest witness I said to bring someone to Christ is by the life for Christ that you live. Oh, the Apostle Paul includes himself in this endeavor, as he also describes himself as an athlete competing for the prize of a crown in eternity. His point is for believers to pursue godliness and the good of others with the same kind of commitment as an athlete. Oh, now let me make a public emergency announcement right here. This Christian life is not a race to achieve interest into heaven. Oh, I'm so glad that we are saved by grace and not by effort or discipline or obedience or good works or anything else that we do. Because if that was the case, oh, some of us would be a whole mess and in a heap of trouble. But we are saved by believing and not by achieving. Oh, that's good news for somebody today. We are saved for the good works, not by good works. Oh, nonetheless, uh, this Christian life is a race to accomplish what God has put us here for, a race to present ourselves approved unto God. Mm. Oh, and while I walked with the Apostle Paul through this text and examined the metaphors as it relates to this passage, I stumbled on three things that I want to leave you for your consideration as Christian runners. The first thing you need to run 
the race with purpose. Run the race with purpose. The Apostle Paul encouraged us to run with purpose in every step. Remember why you're in the race. What is your purpose for running in this Christian race? When you know your purpose, uh, you will not be so easily persuaded and give up. Oh, come on, somebody say, when you know your purpose. Oh, come on, somebody and say, when you know your purpose. Quitting is not an option. There are purposes that we all have in life. But above everything else, our chief purpose as believers of Christ is to glorify God. It is to glorify God. This is true. And I have word on my side. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 30, we are created for God's glory and to proclaim his praises. It is our purpose to become more like Christ. Sometimes we may have to pause and revisit our purpose and raise the question, am I being transformed in his likeness? Oh, and as believers of Christ, we have a new identity and a new purpose for living. It is our purpose to be like God. We should desire to emulate God so much so that the devil can't stand looking at you because you are the spitting image of your father. <laughs> oh, but our heavenly father in his divine wisdom gave each of us a purpose to live out here on earth. What is your God-given purpose? Oh, it was Rick Warren who wrote the book, The Purpose Driven Life. And when I read the book, one of the phrases that resonated with me is when he said, the greatest tragedy is not death, but life without purpose, without God. Life has no purpose, and without purpose, life has no meaning. And without meaning, life has no significance or hope. Each of us were given a purpose in life, and God has placed something inside of you that only you can do. If you're not fulfilling your life purpose, then there is a void. And you will find yourself uh, fulfilling it with temporal things. But when you know your purpose, you will do whatever it takes to fulfill it. For God says in Jeremiah 29 and 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Oh, the Apostle Paul expresses how everyone who entered in the race with the purpose to win. Oh, everyone will run the race with diligence. However, in the Istema Games, in the Olympics Games, there can only be one winner for each competition. But in the Christian race, we all can be winners. But let me warn you, in this Christian race, you will trip up on the adversities of life. 
Life will hand you problems that may appear bigger than your purpose, but God already factored that in. When he showed you a vision of your purpose, he only showed you the end, and he intentionally omitted the process. Because if he would have showed you your wilderness experience before getting to the finish line, if he would show you the hurdles that you were going to have to climb over to get to the finish line, if he would show you the long jumps and the triple jumps that you were going to have to land you in the sand pit, you probably would have never signed up on this Christian journey and you would have ran in the other direction. But that's why he didn't show you the process of the pain that you were going to have to go through to endure before you can get to the finish line. Distant runners make long and steady strides. And their emphasis is on endurance, not speed. For the race is not given to the swift or to the strong, but the one that is willing to endure to the very end. Oh, come here, Joseph. Oh, you remember Joseph. He was the one that was thrown into a pit by his own brothers and sold into slavery. But later we learn that Joseph's pit experience was the process that led him to the palace. You must understand within every purpose there is a process. Oh, come on somebody say, quitting is not an option. And secondly, you must run the race with precision. The Apostle Paul declares how important it is to discipline ourselves. Most people, including Christians, are slaves to their body. Oh, their bodies decide when to eat, what to eat, and how much to eat, when to sleep and get up. An athlete cannot allow that. He follows the training rules, not his body. He runs when he would rather be resting. He eats a balanced meal when he would rather have a double chocolate cake. He goes to bed early when he would rather stay up. He gets up extra early to train when he would rather stay in the bed. An athlete leads his body and does not follow it. He is disciplined and takes precise steps to get to the finish line. So the Apostle Paul uses the illustration of a boxer who practices precise punches and not shadow boxing. Oh, shadow boxing is when a boxer moves around by himself, throwing punches at the air. But a serious boxer uses shadow boxing to improve his boxing technique, strength, power, speed, endurance, rhythm, footwork, offense, and defense, and overall fighting abilities. A precise boxer studies his opponent, learns his steps, knows his moves, and when his opponent moves, he moves just like that. Oh, we witnessed this back in the days of Mike Tyson. Oh, you remember Iron Mike. Oh, he reigned back in the 80s. And as an undisputed, 
old world heavyweight champion. His reputation preceded him. He had a record for knocking his opponents out within seconds of the fight. Ah, the most memorable knockout that was categorized as the richest fight in boxing history was back in 1988 in Atlantic City, New Jersey. It was the fight against Michael Spinks. Some of you may remember. The day unfold when Iron Mike arrived at Atlantic City with 34 to zero fights already under his belt. With a reputation as a fierce boxer already known, sources say that Tyson's strength quick fists, and his notable defensive ability. Oh, he imitated, oh, God, and fiercely his opponents who were afraid to get hit by him. I wonder why. Oh, because he came to win. Uh, the referee gave the opening introduction and the rules of the game. And when the bell rang, Iron Mike came out punching. He threw a few right jabs that knocked Spinks on the ropes. And when Spinks fell on the ropes, he floored him with a left uppercut and knocked him out in the first 91 seconds of the fight. If you blinked, it was over. It was the knockout that shook the world. It was not shadow boxing, it was precision. Ah, and I just want to know this morning, uh, do I have any warriors in this decade uh, when the devil would try to lead your brothers and sisters astray, uh, that you refuse uh, to stand on the sidelines, uh, but you would let the devil know uh, if you want to get to my sister, uh, if you want to get to my brother, then you got to go through me, uh, that you letting the devil know uh, and put him on notice uh, that you're ready to get into the ring uh, and you did not come to shout boxer but you came uh, with a precise punch uh, to knock the devil out uh, within 91 seconds of the fight uh, warriors where you at where you at because you came uh, to win oh I'm talking about winning souls to the kingdom you refuse the happenstance, not when it comes to living a life that exemplifies Jesus Christ. It means precisely measuring everything that you do all until the goal and achievement of Jesus Christ. Oh, come on, somebody say, quitting is not an option. But not only do you have to run this race with purpose, and with precision. You also need to run the race with passion. With passion. Hmm. It was Nelson Mandela who said, there is no passion to be found playing small in settling for a life that is less than the one you are capable of living. Are you living a Christian life less than the one that you are capable of? Are you passionate about your relationship 
with your God? Are you winning souls to the kingdom? The apostle Paul was passionate about his foregoing freedom in order to win people to the faith in Christ through the athletic metaphors. Oh, the apostle Paul expresses the importance of self-control and self-denial in order to win a crown that will never die. Oh, the apostle Paul had a passion to win souls to Christ, and he was competing for the recognition from Christ for how well he fought to win people to trust in Jesus. Do we have that same kind of passion as an athlete? Are we committed to the faith as a dedicated athlete is committed to the sport? Where is your passion when it comes to living a life of discipleship? Where is your passion when it comes to witnessing to the people about your Savior's credentials? Whole passion is a powerful force when telling the lost that Jesus saves from the utmost. Oh, Jesus saves. Oh, he will pick you up and turn you around. Oh, Jesus, he saves. When you are passionate about your relationship with Christ, it will propel you to stay in the race at all costs. Even when your body is afflicted with pain, there will be times in your life when you will prepare for a race. But let me caution you, life's calamities will arise without warning, but you have to refuse to give up no matter how painful things may get. And I like to believe I will call on brother Derek Redmond to testify. Derek Redmond was set out to fulfill his Olympics dreams to win the 400 meter dash and earn a gold medal. For years, old Derek put his body through vigorous training. And on the day of the competition, Derek kneeled down with the other runners in a running position. And after the starter, fired the gun. Derek took off running. He was moving at a swift pace, making strides in every step. And when he reached the 150 meters into the race, suddenly Derek heard a pop, followed by a shooting pain that ran up his leg. He just torn his hamstring that sent severe pain up the back of his leg that caused him to fall on the track. My God, my God. But that didn't stop Derek. He began to hop on one leg, then slowed down and fell again. He was in excruciating pain. Tears poured down Derek's face, but he was determined not to give up. Derek struggled to get to his feet, and the pain from his torn hamstring continued to surge 
all through his body. He began to hop and limp on one leg around the track, giving it everything he got, one painful step at a time. And while the crowd looked on as Derek hopped on one leg, there was a man at the top of the bleachers working his way down to the track, uh, sidestepping folks, uh, racing down the bleachers. Uh, he shouted, uh, pardon me, excuse me, uh, pardon me, uh, excuse me, uh, I'm coming through, uh, I'm coming through, uh, I'm coming through, uh, I'm coming through. Uh, this man uh, voted uh, over the railing, uh, ran past two uh, security guards uh, that tried to stop him. Uh, he turned around uh, and yelled, uh, that's my son. Uh, that's my son. I'm going to help my son. When Derek was at the final curve, close to the finish line, his father grabbed him and wrapped his arms around his son and tried to convince Derek that he didn't have to, to do this. But through tears, through pain, Derek said, Dad, yes I do, yes I do, yes I do, yes I do. And his father said, and he said to him, then we're gonna do it together. We're gonna finish this race together. Father and son, hand in hand, they walked down the track to finish the race all the way to the finish line. Derek and his father walked together, hand and neck, to the finish line. But I came to tell somebody when you feel like dropping out of this Christian race, when life has dealt you a fatal blow, and when you have been mistreated, when sickness has invaded your body, when you are experiencing pain, and you don't seem like you're gonna make it to the finish line, your heavenly father won't let you finish alone. He will run out of glory. Sidestep folks, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, I'm coming through. I have to get to my daughter, I have to get to my son, and he will wrap his arms around you and tell you that you don't have to do this on your own. He will walk with you all the way, all the way to the finish line because he promised that he will never leave you nor forsake you, that he'll be with you even into the end of the age. So don't you dare give up on this Christian race. Continue to run this race because quitting is not an option. Run this race with purpose. Run this race with precision. Run this race with passion all the way to the finish line. No matter how challenging life may get, stay in the race, stay in the race, stay in the race. And you can say, I have fought the, the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith.
faith. I have kept the faith. And when it's all over, and when this life is over, Deacon Wilson, I would be so glad to hear him say, well done. Well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. I don't know about you, but I'm going to stay in the race.